Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, episode Dale seven. Oh, Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. The podcast. Yeah. Sports podcast presented oui. by Betfred Sportsbook. Yeah. It oh, is awesome. Friday, May 5th. 2023 people, I hope everybody's doing I hope everybody is having a great Cinco de Mayo. Hope you're relaxing. Hope you're indulging if it is late enough in the day to do so. And I hope you're ready for another jam-packed episode of the Aaron Torres pod. It is going to be a loaded show. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open the story that we thought would never end. It has come to its conclusion. Hunter Dickinson will transfer he did make his announcement on thursday and we're going to talk about this from all angles what does it mean for kansas what does it mean for villanova for maryland for kentucky uh all everything hunter dickinson then we'll take a quick break and what i want to do at that point update my way too early top 25 bottom line is i have i've written about it but i haven't updated the top 25 on the show since the night after the national championship game So I'll tell you who's moved, who hasn't, what it all means, all that good stuff. And then from there, we'll take a quick break and wrap with another frustrating story about Alabama athletics, Alabama baseball now in hot water, just a weird, disappointing, bizarre year for Alabama sports. And then finally wrap with Aaron Wright, Aaron wrong fun Friday show. And as I keep saying, I cannot believe there is this much to talk about in May. So we'll discuss it all. Before we get started, uh, one quick kind of scheduling note. This will be my last episode for a couple days here. Uh, wife and I, you know, we're, we're going to you know, get away for a few days. Basically, bottom line is, listen, end of story. I love what I do. I'm grateful for all of you. As I just told you on last episode, the download numbers and YouTube numbers are through the roof. Thank you for your support. But really haven't had a chance to kind of step aside, decompress, unwind since really before football season last year. Obviously, do a radio show on Saturday, do a a podcast every Sunday into Monday. So in this business, grateful for what I do. You just don't get a lot of free time. But next week, I will be off. No new shows that I think of. I might pre-record like one show, but that's probably going to be it. Then I will be back the third week in May. And all of a sudden, it's going to be NBA draft season. That is when the NBA draft process will really pick up. We'll talk some stay or go decisions And then we'll start ramping up for football, baby, because it is not far away. So again, no new shows next week, but thank you all for your support. I'll be thinking of you while I'm drinking a cold beer on the beach. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, first of all, I want to say a quick thank you. Thank you to Hunter Dickinson. I'm going away. I thought for sure I was going to have to do some sort of weird reaction video from a beach somewhere, but instead... That is not the case at all, because on Thursday, the long national nightmare came to an end. After a month of speculation, after rumors of visits, after pictures of whatever doing whatever with whoever, he met with this guy at an airport, he ate Chick-fil-A at this, uh, on this official visit, that hour-long barstool uh, podcast that was just insanity. Well, the national nightmare is over as on Thursday, Hunter Dickinson did make his commitment, and he commits to... Kansas University. And listen, I'll say this. I've been saying from the beginning, I always thought Kansas was the favorite, but I can't take too much credit for this 
because I don't think anybody really knew for sure. And I'm not even positive Hunter Dickinson knew where he was going until he took all of his visits. And so because of it, not going to take a victory lap, but Hunter Dickinson is now the newest member of the Kansas Jayhawks. Again, I'll update my top 25 in a minute. With that said, though, I kind of want to get into this commitment from every angle. And when I think about this commitment, I want to even backtrack to something that I have tried to tell you guys and girls, everybody who listens to this show for years. I always try to warn you around portal season. Recruiting in the portal is significantly different than recruiting high school players. High school players, they love the bells, the whistles, the loud crowds. Oh my God, they were chanting my name when I walked in the building. The facilities, the resources, the fan bases. When you're a veteran transfer, though, it's different. You've been through all that. You've done it. And now what you want to do is basically just find the spot that checks the most boxes. Where can I go and be put in the best position immediately to have success? And that's not just a Hunter Dickinson thing. That is literally what every player in the portal is thinking about when they go in. Where will I have on the court success? Where will I be developed? How do I fit in? In some cases, many cases in 2023, what is the NIL setup? And so I've always been, you know, I always try to warn people about that, but I think there might not be any better scenario or better example of the difference between transfer recruiting and high school recruiting than Hunter Dickinson. Why I always thought Kansas was the favorite, why most people in the major kind of media that covers college basketball thought he was the favorite was because the bottom line is Kansas just checks the most boxes. When you think about what Hunter Dickinson would potentially be looking for in a new school after three years at Michigan, a great first year where you make the Elite Eight, a second year where you sneak into the tournament and then get a little bit hot, a third year where you're disappointed, think about the things that Hunter Dickinson would be looking for in the portal, and then you start to see that Kansas checks all the boxes. First off, you know he's going to be well-coached. Bill Self, you can like him, you can hate him, you can this, you can that. The guy is a Hall of Famer. I believe he is the best coach in college basketball right now. And I don't even know right now necessarily that there's a close second. Okay. Great coach, hall of fame coach puts his players in position to succeed, develops players, puts them in the NBA. And Oh, by the way, he has had a ton of success with players similar as hunters, uh, Hunter Dickinson's skill set, big guys down low, all that good stuff Two, Kansas is a veteran roster. And this was something I got a bunch of DMS from angry Kentucky fans over the last couple days. Cause I said, if you're 22 years old, if you played three years of college basketball, do you really want to go play with a bunch of freshmen? I think some Kentucky fans got it right. It, you know, our freshmen are good, but I get it. But a lot of people, Oh, how can you say that we have the best freshmen in the country? I get it. But if you're a senior in college, and you only got one year to achieve everything that you want. And I know he has a second COVID year, but I I think the expectation is he's only going to play one more year of college basketball. But if you're a senior and you only got one more year, do you want to hitch your wagon to a bunch of freshmen? Or do you want to go to a place where you not only have a Hall of Fame coach like you do at Kentucky, but you also have a senior point guard that's won a national championship in DeWan Harris. You have potentially a second guard that's going to be a senior um, in Kevin McCullough, he's testing the NBA draft waters at this point. My guess is that he might not be back. Um, Nick Timberlake transfer from Towson, fifth year guy, three point shooter, Arterio Morris, second year player transfer from, uh, from Texas was part of an elite eight team. Ernest Udo, a, a, a player who is coming off a solid freshman year, a guy in KJ Adams, kind of that stretch three stretch four that could do a little bit of everything. Do you want to go play with a bunch of veterans, a bunch of grownups? I, I don't know. But I think that's something that Hunter Dickinson probably considered. Oh, by the way, Kansas, along probably with Kentucky, gives you the best chance to win at the highest level. Kansas is going to enter the season. We'll talk about this, uh, my way too early top 25 in a minute. There'll be a preseason top five team with Hunter Dickinson. That is something that even with his addition, Maryland couldn't offer, Villanova couldn't offer, Georgetown certainly couldn't offer. And most importantly, he is the missing piece at Kansas. You look at Kansas's roster. What did I just tell you? Veteran point guard, depth in the backcourt, uh, a versatile piece in KJ Adams that played the five last year, but he's about six, seven, six, eight. Really should be a four. The one missing piece is a guy down low that can get you buckets 20 and 10, basically guaranteed. And I know I've said, and I truly believe, 
Hunter Dickinson does want a bigger role. He just doesn't want to be a back-to-the-basket center. But that is ultimately, he's going to line up at the five. And maybe he'll play a little bit more out on the perimeter, whatever. But he that is the one missing piece that Kansas does not have. And so when you start checking all the boxes, Kansas always made the most sense. And that's ultimately why. I know Hunter Dickinson released the video, and at some point, probably on his own podcast, he is going to talk about why he chose Kansas. But again, just think about what Kansas offers. Hall of Fame coach, veteran group, chance to win a national championship. Oh, by the way, I didn't even mention it, and it's a hot topic in the streets. Yeah, their NIL program is good. Really quickly, I would be remiss if I did not address that because I do think it's a thing. Saw my buddy Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio, put out some report um, that essentially Kansas is in the business of guaranteeing money in NIL. And that Hunter Dickinson went in saying, hey, I need a baseline number to work with here. Kansas said, here's the number we can offer you flat out. Yes, you commit today. This is what you're going to get. Kentucky doesn't play that game. Kentucky is in more of the traditional NIL world where they say you come here and you can earn up to this much. And so, yes, do I believe that was a factor? I do. Do I believe it was the only factor in his decision? I do not. But this is the world of college sports that we've talked about. And we've talked about this for years. So it's always funny when people send me these reports. I'm like, listen to the Air Tours pod. We've been talking about this for a year and a half. You know, I know it's been a year and a half because we talked about it when Nick Saban called out Jimbo Fisher last year. Nick Saban was calling out Jimbo Fisher for the same thing. Nick Saban was saying, we're over here telling guys that they can get this or they can get that. If you come here, these are the opportunities. And Texas A&M, this is Nick Saban's words, not mine. They're out there buying players. They're out there saying, you come here, you get a guaranteed X, Y, Z in money. And so it's something that we've talked about before. And I've just talked in general. There are two ways of thinking in NIL right now. There's the way of, listen, there's no rules, whatever. Pay guys whatever it takes. And then there are schools like Kentucky, like Alabama. There's others. I won't name names, but there are other schools that are like, listen, at some point, the NCAA is going to crack down on this, and we don't want to just be writing blank checks. We want to be able to show, hey, this guy came to this school, and these were the opportunities that were provided to him, and this is how much money that he got. But right now, there are schools that are basically guaranteeing money to come to school there. We talked about it before with Kansas. Remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about the kid, Nick Timberlake. I just mentioned him. He's on the roster right now, or he committed this summer. I could tell you for certain, it came down to UConn and Kansas, and Kansas was a distant second. I could tell you from the UConn perspective, they thought it was a done deal. They thought he was coming to campus to, um, you know, take pictures and kiss babies and get a graphic done and commit on the spot. And then he leaves campus without committing. And then a day passes, and then a day, and then he commits to Kansas, seemingly out of nowhere. Most people with that recruitment think NIL played a role. So I'm not going to sit here and beat around the bush. But as I said, NIL is a part of the puzzle. I don't believe that in Hunter Dickinson's case, it was the whole puzzle. And so now he's headed to Kansas. And let's talk about it for a second from Kansas's perspective. Because I think, and I've, I've, I've already kind of talked about it. I don't know if they're the favorite going into next year. Duke's going to be good. UConn's going to be good. Arkansas is going to be good. Other schools are waiting to add pieces. Purdue could potentially bring back everybody from the, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Marquette brings back everybody. So I'm not saying that Kansas is going to run away with the title. But when I look at this Kansas team, tell me what they don't have. First off, I think we learned this year that this era of college basketball right now, it's good to be old, man. And I know it's not going to be like this forever, and eventually the COVID waiver guys are going to phase out of college basketball. But it's good to be old. Look at UConn. Look at Miami. San Diego State had a bunch of fifth- and sixth-year guys. Well, now look at Kansas. Dewan Harris, fourth-year transfer, uh, fourth-year player. Nick Timberlake, a sixth-year player, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Hunter Dickinson, fourth-year player. So you have veterans. You have a veteran point guard. That matters. That's important. You have three-point shooting. That matters. That's important. This is also important. You have continuity year over year. John Rothstein's put out this tweet a few times, but essentially you look at the teams that were in the Final Four this year, multiple starters back, multiple impact players back from teams the previous year. Well, now Kansas has three, four, maybe five impact guys that have the potential to come back. 
and that likely will come back. And now you add a guy that can literally get you 20 and 12, 20 and 11, 22 and 9 every single night. I think they just might be the favorites to win the national championship. Although, again, we'll update my top 25 in a minute. I do quickly before we uh, switch gears and get to that top 25. I want to talk about the teams that that finished in whatever order behind Kansas in the Hunter Dickinson Derby. Let's start with Villanova, last team to get a visit. And Villanova is kind of interesting because from the Villanova perspective, Hunter Dickinson felt like the cherry on top of the Sunday. In other words, there this is not a, a, a spot of need. This is not a, well, now we got to scramble to find a guy since we didn't get Hunter. You look at Villanova's roster, I actually think they're pretty set even without Hunter Dickinson. Got some nice returnees, Justin Moore, who was obviously a very good friend of Hunter Dickinson, Mark Armstrong, a point guard, uh, Eric Dixon is a low post player. They added a couple of nice transfers, TJ Bamba from Washington State, Hakeem Hart from Maryland. And so in my opinion, if they had the opportunity to get Hunter Dickinson, yeah, you go all in. But if you don't get them, I don't know that they're scrambling to the portal to find a replacement. Villanova has actually been pretty impressive in this uh, portal cycle. They're right on the cusp of a top 25 team, in my opinion. One, the disappointment of last year. I get why there's hesitation. Two, the Big East is going to be really good next year. UConn's waiting on some dudes, but they're really good. Xavier's going to be good again. Marquette returns everybody. Creighton returns a ton of people. So I bring it all up to say uh, Nova, I don't think they're disappointed, but I don't think this fundamentally changes like what the rest of their offseason looks like. Same with Maryland, by the way. Maryland actually returns a good core of people that made it to the second round, the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Would have liked this piece. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson being from Maryland certainly doesn't hurt. But I think they proceed now with their offseason. And, you know, it is what it is. They're a good team coming into next year. I think Hunter Dickinson would have made them a probably top 8 to 12 type team in the country. Instead, they move on. They'll be good. The Big Ten, I don't love going into next year. I think they're in that second, third, fourth conversation, but they still have a chance to be really good. Again, returning a lot of pieces from last year's NCAA tournament team. Then there's Kentucky, and it's certainly not panic time in the bluegrass, okay? I still have Kentucky. We'll talk about them in a minute in my top 10, and it is based on the fact that they have the number one recruiting class in the country coming in including four different players that were top 10 in the class of 2023. DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham are guards. Justin Edwards is a wing. Aaron Bradshaw is a big guy down low. And so you look at John Calipari's best teams. They are ones that have an NBA talent at point guard, NBA talents at the guard positions. And as I've said many times this past year, when Cason Wallace was healthy and he took over that role from Severe Wheeler, that was when that team took off like a rocket ship, and they were actually a pretty good team over the final probably six weeks of the season following severe Wheeler's injury. At the same time, beyond that recruited class, there really just isn't that much at Kentucky right now. And it's interesting. I go back to about a month ago, and Kentucky fans don't get mad, but about a month ago, I put out a tweet when the portal was really starting to heat up. This was probably the second week in April. And I said, I said, it, it sure does feel like Kentucky's entire offseason plan is based on the idea that their freshman class is really, really, really good and that they essentially were not being active in the portal at all. And of course, Kentucky, biggest fan base in America, in college, any in college basketball, I have no problem with it. Throw your arrows at me. It doesn't bother me. It's part of my job. But I said, I, I said, I think you're moving too slow. And I Kentucky, Torres, you don't know what you're talking about. Torres, Cal you think Calipari's not doing anything? Well, fast forward, where are we at right now? I looked at Kentucky's roster before I started recording. Here is what Kentucky we know is on the books for 2023-2024 right now. A really good five-man recruiting class. As I just said, DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, and Reed Shepard, a McDonald's All-American who was top 20 or so player in that class. They also have a returning redshirt center named Ugana, uh, Ugana Onyenso Kingsley. Talented player, but he's a process. He's a developmental big. After that, we're not positive they have anybody. Now, a, a, a guard named Adu Thiera will probably be back. 
He was a guy that played spot minutes last year, but he's another developmental guy. Well, beyond that, C.J. Frederick transferred. Um, Lance Ware went in the transfer portal on Thursday. Damian Collins went in the transfer portal. Jacob Toppin went pro. Kaysen Wallace went pro. And currently, Oscar Shibway and Antonio Reeves are testing the NBA draft waters. And so I bring it up because this is what I was trying to say three, four, five weeks ago, is that I get that you have players going through the process. I get that you want to be respectful of them. But the portal stops for no man. The portal sleeps for no man. And I just felt like they were moving entirely too slow. There are other schools in other parts of the country, and frankly, in your own conference, who are just like, we're not waiting. If you want to go test the waters, that's fine, but we're recruiting as if you're leaving. Look at what Arkansas is doing. Arkansas is basically saying, Devo Davis, Jordan Walsh, we love you, but we are recruiting as if you're gone. And if you tell us you're coming back, then we'll adjust from there. But we're not going to hold a scholarship until the middle of May or late May. We got to make a move. Tennessee. Tennessee right now has like, I think like 13, 14, 15 scholars, like they're too over the scholarship limit right now because Tennessee basically said, we can't sit here until mid to late May and figure out Josiah Jordan James, all, all you guys, what you want to do, Julian Phillips, who's testing the waters. And so you look at Kentucky, now it's kind of scramble mode. And what you really need is a couple things. So let's talk about Kentucky really quick. One is what you need. All of a sudden, you kind of need Oscar Sheeway to come back. Now, it's interesting because it feels like talking to Kentucky fans, there's two schools of thought. There's the one school of thought is let's roll with the young guys. They're better athletes. They're better NBA draft prospects. We've seen what we can. We see what the ceiling is with Oscar Shibway as our big guy. I get that. I would also say, again, two years ago, Kentucky was a two-seed in the NCAA tournament when they lost to St. Peter's. This year, I contend if Cason Wallace had been the starter from the beginning and if he had stayed healthy, you're probably a two or a three-seed. Because, by the way, you lost to South Carolina, Georgia, and Vanderbilt without Cason Wallace. If he plays in those games, you probably win him. I take that back. He did play against Georgia, but he was not himself. He was coming off of a game where he missed injury. And you probably have better success in the out-of-conference portion if he's starting at point guard. Well, next year, you do have an NBA-type talent at point guard. But the point I'm trying to make, I guess, is that I'm not as down on Oscar Shibway coming back as some others. And I do think you kind of need him, right? Because we're like, you're going to have really good scoring on the perimeter, but you're going to need a guy down low. But then more importantly, I just think you need some veterans in that locker room. John Calipari did an interview with John Fanta on Thursday, where he basically said like, this is now a grown man sport. We now have 24, 25, 26 year olds playing college basketball. Well, you need your own 22, 23, 24 year olds to go to war with those guys. Because you think a 24 year old playing at wherever, is going to be scared of DJ Wagner because he was a McDonald's All-American? Because I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And so you need Oscar Shibway to come back. You need that veteran presence, and you need that guy that could go get you 14, 15 rebounds a game on top of the offensive production that he gives. Also, Antonio Reeves. You, you need a back at this point. I, I, my hunch is I think most we all kind of think that he's going to come back. But you kind of almost need him back at this point to not only be a veteran, but to be a guy that can get buckets alongside those freshmen. And then finally, I, I still think there's a piece or two. Now, let's assume Chris Livingston, who's testing the waters, he's not coming back because I don't think he is. I still think you need a piece or two in the portal. And here's where I would be concerned. By the way, even if I, I meant five, five man recruiting class plus a redshirt freshman in Ugana Kingsley, okay? Ugana and Yenso Kingsley. Even if a Thiero comes back, that's seven. Oscar Shibway, Antonio Reeves come back, that's nine. You can't run a five-on-five five scrimmage with the guys that you currently have on your roster. And so now you got to go to the portal, but here's the crazy part. There's not that much left in the portal. Trust me, I monitor it as closely as anybody. There is not a lot of talent left in the portal. And you know what else? Here's the other part. Everybody still needs pieces. So it's not like there's you know, role players that would be really good at Kentucky and you're the only one recruiting them. Ask an Arizona fan. Arizona needs help. They added Jaden Bradley this week, but they need a lot of help. Um, St. John's still needs like four or five guys. Georgetown still needs four or five guys. Kansas still has a scholarship available, which they might add with McKenzie and Baco. I didn't even mention McKenzie and Baco and the impact that he could have if he commits to Kansas. By the way, that's why I thought you should have gone after McKenzie and Baco, but neither here nor there. So you look at the current portal setup, 
Alabama needs a dude. Remember, Jaquan Walton just bounced. Well, got removed even though he was never on the team. Arkansas is still active with Grant Nelson. So, like, you need dudes, and there's not that many dudes left. So, this is what I was saying. Kentucky fans, it's never personal, baby. I love you guys. You guys have been great to me. But when I tell you in mid-April, let's let's go. Let's, let's get our butts in gear. Listen. Because Calipari, I love him. But I thought he was moving too slow in the portal. And now you're looking at a roster with five freshmen and a redshirt freshman. That's all that we know is coming back. Good luck going into Knoxville with that group. Fayetteville, Tuscaloosa, Auburn, whatever. It's not going to be easy. That's what I'm going to do. Take a quick break. Come back. When I come back, let's update that top 25, baby. Because the bottom line is I have not done an update of my way too early top 25 since the night after the national championship game. A lot of movement. New number one. Interesting developments. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook in the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here, and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does. And here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game, all playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So, Maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet 200. Doesn't work out. Get 200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears and listen. I think now feels like a pretty good time to update my way too early college hoops top 25. And if you read Aaron Torres online.com, If you follow me on social media, I've been doing kind of updates on that top 25 really about once a week since the season ended, but I haven't actually talked about it on the show. And so now feels like a good time to really reset and tell you who I have ranked and where I have them ranked. Reason being with Hunter Dickinson's commitment on Thursday, the portal, it's not done, but most of the impact guys are really kind of accounted for. There's still one or two, whatever. But for the most part, most of the portal guys are accounted for. On top of that, the the NBA draft decisions, everybody has at least made their decisions. 
There's going to be some guys that we think are coming back that will ultimately go. But for the most part, the NBA draft decisions are done. The stay or uh, the, the portal stuff is done. So now feels like a good time to update that way too early top 25. Let's get to it. And let's get to number one in AT's updated way too early top 25. It is drum roll, please brace yourself. It's a Duke Blue Devils. I know that pains a lot of you. But Duke was the top five team coming out of the season. But one thing that I talked about at the time, and it has come to fruition even more this spring, I do think Duke is at the at an interesting forefront in terms of a, a maybe a new trend in college basketball. That trend, Duke had, to quote LeBron James, not one, not two. They had three different players who I think legitimately could have gone into the NBA draft and been drafted. None of the three even tested the NBA draft waters, and they all just said, I'm going to come back to college basketball. Because with NIL in place, now guys don't have to rush to the NBA. And what Duke sold them on, I know this because John Shires publicly said it in an interview, is they basically said, if you want to go pro, we're never going to hold you back. But if you don't feel like you're ready, come back here. We got a spot for you. You can make real money. You know, you don't. It's not a decision of, you can go pro and get something, or you can stay here and get nothing. Now you can make real money here. And so rather than going pro, rather than trying to grind through the G League, you can stay in college and get better. So Tyrese Proctor, their second leading scorer, was the first one to announce, I'm coming back. I'm not even testing. I believe he would have been a second-round pick if he declared. Mark Mitchell, I believe, would have been a second-round pick if he declared. He comes back, and then the big one about three weeks ago, Kyle Filipowski announces that he is coming back as well. That was Duke's leading scorer, leading rebounder. And so at minimum, we know that Duke has three guys coming back, and a fourth one is very likely in Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach, their starting point guard the last two years, including the Final Four team under Coach K, he's the only one testing the draft waters. I expect him back. As long as he comes back, Duke will probably be the preseason number one team going into next year just like the group, just like the makeup. And again, they were able to convince a lot of guys that were thinking about testing. Hey, you don't even need to test. Come back here, make some money. We'll be good to go. At number two, we got a new number two as well since the last time we updated this as the Kansas Jayhawks have jumped into the top two of AT's way too early top 25. And we just spent a lot of time talking Hunter Dickinson, so I'm not going to spend minute by minute going through the Kansas uh, depth chart here. But Hunter Dickinson was, in my opinion, the missing piece. Hunter Dickinson, seven foot one center. And you could talk about, well, if he was that good, he'd be a pro. He's a great college basketball player. 18, almost 19 points per game, nine rebounds. This guy is a walking double-double. And now you add him with a Kansas team with DeWan Harris at point guard, Nick Timberlake, Arterio Morris in the backcourt, KJ Adams on the wing. And as I said a minute ago, Mackenzie Mbako, the best available high school player that was committed to Duke, is now available. He was on campus this week at Kansas, and it's tough to say if there's even a leader at this point in his recruitment. He's visited St. John's. He's visited Kansas. will visit Louisville. will visit Indiana. But it's hard to say if there is a leader. But if Kansas actually gets this commitment, I think Kansas is the number one team in the country because now you're talking about veteran point guard, shooting on the perimeter, McDonald's All-American probably at the four, and a real All-American at the five, We'll see with McKenzie and Baco, and I might even, depending on what happens with Kansas, move them past Duke at number one because of Hunter Dickinson, but this Hunter Dickinson thing changes everything. They looked really good on paper before he committed. Now, this is a team that's good enough to win their second national title in three years. Let's get to number three, and this was our number one team coming out of the, the, the regular season. That is the UConn Huskies, and so a lot has changed at UConn. Two players are definitively gone. Jordan Hawkins, we knew he was going to declare. It was a matter of if not when. He's going pro. Adama Sinogo as well has not only declared, but Dan Hurley has said on the record he's done playing college basketball. Where it gets interesting with UConn, though, they have two players currently testing the draft waters. Andre Jackson, veteran, number 44, really good player. He is testing the waters. I think he can be a second rounder if he stays in. I don't know if he will, though. He's been with the team all offseason. He's been working out. Um, they, they, the, the team went to the Mets game the other day. He threw out the first pitch. He's been practicing with the team, as I just said. 
I don't get the sense that he really wants to leave. My guess is that he's back, and my guess is that Tristan Newton, the starting point guard, is back as well. He actually went through senior day this past season, so I did not expect him to be back. Was a transfer this year. I think he's probably going to return to stores. Beyond them, Alex Caravan to start on this year's championship team. Oh, by the way, Donovan Klingen will be back as well. Klingen, I went back and looked it up. Could not believe this. You know what Klingen's per 40-minute stats were? 21 points per game, 17 and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, uh, five and a half blocks per game. Now he was playing behind the tournament most outstanding player, not criticizing Dan Hurley or anything like that, but it just shows you about what kind of potential he could have as a full-time player. Another guy that probably could have been drafted had he gone pro, he comes back and it's worth noting as well. UConn has the number three ranked recruiting class in high school basketball, Stefan Castle, Jalen Stewart, Solomon Ball, Solo Ball. It was interesting. I saw this uh, on social media on Thursday. Three of the highest ranked freshmen coming into college basketball or coming into the Big East this year are going to UConn. So UConn is again going to have the most talented roster. Do think them as a legitimate championship contender probably comes down to Andre Jackson returning, but UConn is number three. Number four. The team that was actually better than UConn in the regular season this year, that is Marquette. And Marquette's an interesting one because, remember, it wasn't UConn that won the Big East regular season. It wasn't UConn that won the Big East tournament. It was Marquette who won the Big East regular season, the Big East tournament, and they could essentially return everybody. They have one player, Omax Prosper, currently testing the NBA draft waters. But remember, what did I just say about Kansas a minute ago? With college basketball in 2023, Returnees are important. Continuity is important. And Marquette is going to have as much continuity as anybody in college basketball next year. So they're waiting on Omax Prosper. We'll see if he comes back. But right now I have them at number four. And I really do believe this is a team. Yes, that's good enough to make a final four. Maybe, yes, even win a national championship. Let's get to number five. It's a doozy. Um, it's the Purdue Boilermakers. And, and like, I don't know what to say. First of all, Zach Eady is testing the NBA draft waters. In theory, he might not come back. If he doesn't come back, it changes everything. Don't think they're a top 25 team, although they weren't in the preseason this year and they still got a number one seed. Uh, you guys know how I feel about Purdue. At some point, you got to show me something in March. You can't be selling me on you overachieve every year if you underachieve every single year in March. But at the same time, if Zach Eady comes back, you're bringing back basically everybody from the team that won the Big East regular or the Big Ten regular season, the Big Ten tournament championships this year. And so we can wait until October and November to debate, are they good enough to make a Final Four? Are they good enough to win a national championship? But outside of a bench player named David Jenkins, they actually don't lose anybody. Purdue is at number five. Number six, going to get a kick out of this. First SEC team on the list. Woo! Can anyone stop the big pig invasion? The Arkansas Razorbacks, baby. Listen, Arkansas, it's been a wild offseason, and it might not be over yet, okay? So first of all, a couple really important returnees. Trevin Brazil, who I think would have been a first-round pick if he had decided to stay in the NBA, if he had decided to test the NBA draft. He does not. He is coming back. Uh, Jalen Graham, former All-Pac-12 player. But then, oh, by the way, five impact transfers. Keon Menafield, guard from Washington. Tremont Mark, guard from Houston. Khalif Battle, wing from Temple. Uh, Jeremiah Davenport, three-point shooter from Cincinnati. And L. Ellis, the leading scorer from Louisville. Also, on top of that, you have a McDonald's All-American in Bay Fall. You have a five-star in Layden Blocker. And so I bring it up because this is as deep, as loaded, as good of a team as anybody in college basketball. Now, a lot of people sit there and say, well, Torres, you said this at this time last year. I did. I didn't know that they were going to have two first-rounders get hurt with bad injuries, Nick Smith and Brazil. So until further notice, this is a team that I really like, and they are not done, okay? So they have two players currently testing the NBA draft waters, Devo Davis and Jordan Walsh. Both could be back. Don't know if they will be, but both could be back. And then I think they're going to get Ron Holland. I said I think they're the favorite for Ron Holland. He chose Texas over Arkansas originally, Arkansas and UCLA. Don't believe UCLA is really in the mix for him, at least not anything that I've heard. And then, oh, by the way, they're hot on Grant Nelson as well. How they figure out minutes, how they figure out rotations, I don't know. 
but this would be the most talented team in college basketball with any, basically with any combination of those four. That's the deepest, probably most talented one to 13 in college basketball. I have Arkansas at number six. Number seven, after much thought and deliberation, sounds very serious, but I've decided to move Michigan State up a spot. Listen, Michigan State made the Sweet 16, basically return everybody. They do lose Joey Hauser, but the most important piece, Tyson Walker, fifth-year player, announces that he is going to come back and use his COVID season. All Big Ten player, really good. Other good players around him. Jaden Akins is a guard that you need to know. And also, on top of that, they also actually bring in a pretty good recruiting class. Xavier Booker, McDonald's All-American. Jeremy Fears, a player that I saw last summer at Pengos All-American camp. Really good guard. So this is, you know, probably the best team. It's certainly the best team in the Big Ten. Or it's up there with Purdue. This is probably the best team Tom Izzo has had in about four or five years. Nice balance of veterans, of returnees, of guys that know what to expect uh, with the young guys. Michigan State at number seven. Number eight. I still do like Kentucky. And listen, I, I just kind of bashed the roster, you know, composition in the previous segment. I wish that Calipari had been a little bit more aggressive in the portal earlier. I don't think you can wait until mid-May to kind of try, try and figure things out. Right now, they do only have five freshmen, the ones that we mentioned. DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, and Reed Shepard, as well as Ugana Onyenso, a redshirt freshman on their roster. Adu Thierro will probably be back as well. But what I would also say is, listen, I keep going back to it. You're probably going to get Antonio Reeves back. We'll see about Oscar Shibway. But what it comes down to for me, when Calipari has an NBA caliber point guard, everything always looks better. Even this year, Cason Wallace, if he starts the year point guard, if Severe Wheeler isn't on that team, you're probably looking at Kentucky as a two or a three seed. Guess what a number well, guess what number eight in the country is? A number two seed in the NCAA tournament, num- number seven, whatever I have him ranked. And so I just bring it up to say that when I look at this Kentucky team, I still like the pieces. I just need to see more filled out around them. I expect Antonio Reeves back. We'll see about Oscar Shibwe. think you do have to add at least one more piece in the portal. And hopefully you can convince somebody like Lance Ware to come back. But I do have Kentucky at number eight. Number nine, the Houston Cougars. Love me them Cougars, baby. You know, you know, Torres loves his Cougars. But thing with Houston, thing that stands out, um, I like what they did in the portal. So they're going to bring back Jamal Shedd, currently testing the draft waters. Assuming he's back, you added LJ Cryer, a 18, 19 point a game score at Baylor, and you added Damian Dunn, a, a guard from Temple. That's on top of Terrence Arsenal. That's on top of some other good pieces. This is a really, really, really talented team, and it needs to be. Because remember, they're going to the Big 12 next year. So Houston is my number nine team. And number 10 right now, I have Alabama. Now, Alabama's interesting because they have three players currently testing the NBA draft waters. Uh, Big guy, Charles Bediaco, guards Javon Quinterly and Mark Sears. I don't really see any of those guys as being draftable. So I have all of them back right now. And that's on top of some other impact players. Rylan Griffin, who was really good. Um, Noah, uh, uh, Pringle, Nick Pringle. I almost said Noah Pringle, Nick Pringle. Who's really good. Um, and they added two really good transfers as well. Aaron Estrada and Latrell Reitzel. Now this was obviously the team. They did add another transfer, a kid named Jaquan Walton, who is no longer with the team, but I have Alabama at number 10 quickly. I'll rip through the rest of the top 25. If you have any questions, you can always DM me or, uh, you know, send me notes and, and, and ask about them. Number 11. I've actually moved up the Tennessee Volunteers because they added some impact guys in the portal. Dalton Connect, really good player. Uh, Chris Ledlam, really good player. Jordan Ganey, three-point shooter. And that's on top of Sagai Ziegler coming back, Santiago Vescovi coming back, Jamal Jamai Meshack, excuse me, coming back. I, I, I do like this Tennessee team. Now, it feels like they could be setting the world up for disappointment again, but this is a team that, once again, They should be in the top 15. They're going to be good in the regular season. They are going to have success. They are going to compete for an SEC title. Much like Purdue, a lot of whether we deem them a success or failure will be determined by whether they make a run in the tournament. Remember, though, they did make the Sweet 16 this year without Sakai Ziegler. I have Tennessee at number 11. Creighton at number 12. They have two players testing the waters right now, Ryan Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander. 
You get both those back, we probably have to start talking about Creighton as a top 10 team. They also have a kid named Steve Ashworth who transferred in, really good player out of Utah State. Number 13, Florida Atlantic. They could return everybody from their Final Four team. Number 14, Gonzaga. We talked a little bit about them a few weeks ago. Add Ryan Nemhard, add Graham EK. That's a really good team all of a sudden. Don't think they're that national championship type contender, but should be really good in the regular season. Number 15, controversial, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Listen, this is put up or shut up time for Hubert Davis. As I've said all offseason, the whole offseason has been pinned on blame Caleb Love for everything. Well, Caleb Love's gone, Armando Baycott's back, RJ Davis is back, and four impact transfers in the portal. Cormac Ryan, a three-point shooter. Um, Jalen Withers, a big guy down low. Paxson Wojcik, a three-point shooter. Harrison Ingram is the star there. He'll probably be at the three. One thing worth noting with Carolina, they they have two five-star guards, Elliot Cadeau and Ian Jackson. Each has been rumored with reclassification. Would not be surprised if one of those guys shows up on campus before the summer's over. 16, Texas A&M. They basically return everybody off of last year's team except for Dexter Dennis. Remember, Texas A&M finished second in the SEC. San Diego State should return a lot. Lamont Butler, NCAA tournament hero, testing the NBA draft waters. We'll see on him. Big mover at 18, Xavier. Say this for Sean Miller, man. Sean Miller is an elite recruiter. And people, oh, well, in Arizona. Well, guess what? He went in the portal this year at Xavier and had a great offseason. Added Davion McKnight from Western Kentucky, Quincy Oliveri from Rice, Logan Duncan from uh, uh, Indiana, and then a big guy from North Texas. And that's on top of three instant, uh, three guys that were part of last year's Sweet 16 team coming back. Name to watch there, Desmond Claude. Shout out New Haven, Connecticut, baby. I think he has a chance to be a breakout star. 19, Arizona. Big piece of news with Arizona this week. They added Jaden Bradley, the former Alabama guard. 20, USC. Remember, USC, number one high school player in America, Isaiah Collier, is committed. Really quickly, 21, Miami. 22, Maryland. 23, St. Mary's. 24, Baylor. 25, Auburn. Villanova is the team that I would have... I'll say this. I have two or three. Villanova, I thought they did well in the portal. Florida, I think it should be in contention for a top 25 spot with what they've done in the portal. But those are my way too early top 25. Again, Duke at one, Kansas two, UConn three, Marquette four, Purdue five, Arkansas six, Michigan State seven, Kentucky eight, Houston nine, Alabama 10. All right, so what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. And when I come back, We are going to talk about this crazy Alabama baseball story. Have you seen this? More controversy on the campus of Alabama. And then we'll wrap America's favorite podcast segment. Aaron Wright. Aaron Wright. All right, everybody. I'm back. Going to be back. Going to be back. Final segment of the show. Final segment of the week. So good to be back. And so every Friday, we usually wrap with Aaron right, Aaron wrong. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But before we do, um, there is like one sort of really important college sports story that I'd be remiss if I didn't get to. Did you see what's going on with Alabama baseball? And this isn't really an Alabama baseball story, but to me, it's more of a story about the current status of Alabama athletics, because it has been one negative headline, one black eye after another, after another, after another, the last six months. And so the latest story came on Thursday, and it really stems from about a week of investigation. But the story really stems from Thursday, the the the, the punctuation point, if you will, on it. Uh, Brad, Bro- Brad Bohannon, the Alabama baseball coach, was fired by the University of Alabama. And it comes at a time in which Alabama baseball is being investigated in a wild gambling probe involving the program for people who haven't followed the story. Here's what you need to know. Alabama last week is playing uh, the number one team in the country, LSU and two very large bets came in, in Ohio on the Alabama LSU baseball game. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. I didn't even know you could bet on regular season college baseball as well. But when you have two huge bets coming in and then on top of that, this was the interesting thing. There was a late scratch. The starting pitcher was scratched late, right before the start of the game. 
And so there was some new information and it triggered uh, the, the governing bodies and the people that oversee this stuff to really kind of literally raise a red flag and say, whoa, 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 something isn't right here. We need to go ahead and investigate this. First of all, I'll say this is that one, I think this speaks to how seriously all of these leagues, all of these conferences, all of these states take sports betting. The fact that two bets on an Alabama baseball game could warrant um, you know, a, an investigation like this shows how serious this stuff is. But two, it was clearly enough to concern both the SEC and Al- SEC being the Southeastern Conference, not the Securities and Exchange Commission, but the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, and also Alabama itself. Alabama fired this guy Brad Bro- Brad Bohannon on on Thursday, and he and Greg Byrne, the AD, did release a statement that said, in part, um, they have initiated the termination process because, among other things, he violated the standards, duties, and responsibilities expected of university employees. Um, and then also, this comes on Greg. Uh, uh, this comes after Greg Sankey. The commissioner of the Southeastern Conference released a statement where he said, we are aware of reports of the to the suspension of wagering Alabama baseball games. We will continue to monitor available information and any regulatory activity. As many states have acted to legalize sports betting, we are reminded of the threats gambling may pose on competitive integrity. Together with our member universities, we will continue to emphasize the importance of regulating, overseeing, and providing education related to sports gambling activity. So why I bring it up, a couple of things. One, like I said, I think it's a great sign for people that are worried about you know the integrity of stuff, how seriously all of these states, the regulation boards, of course, the leagues, the conferences take it. Two, I'm not going to get into what I think happened or what I know happened or what is alleged to have happened or whatever with this situation. Uh, if you're an Alabama fan, the good news is Pete Thamel, Andy Staples from The Athletic, both reporting that current student athletes are not involved, but I'm not going to get into what I think happened or what could have happened or whatever. This is a serious topic. What I do think it it warrants though, is a conversation about the status of Alabama athletics right now, because if you've been following, and if you listen to a show like this, you obviously have been, it has been just one negative headline after another, after another, after another for Alabama athletics for really about the last eight, nine months. You want to go back to football season. By the way, forget all the on the field stuff, Alabama football disappointing, whatever. You know, it's now's not the time to joke about that. But think about what's going on with this athletic department. You had the Jermaine Burton situation at Tennessee. Remember that? Jermaine Burton, star wide receiver or a wide receiver. I don't know if he was a star leaving the field. Video is captured of him. I said it many times. At best, he was shoving a female fan. At worst, it looked like it could have been, and this is just what the video says, could have been worse than a shove, if you know what I mean. Nick Saban does not suspend Jermaine Burton. There is no no one holds him accountable. He plays the next week when Alabama takes the field. After that, you obviously have the most serious of all the situations. Uh, Darius Miles, former Alabama basketball player, alleged to have you know been involved in the mur- murder of Jamia Harris. We find out after the fact. Now, obviously, again, Darius Miles is going to have his day in court, but the facts don't look good. We find out after the fact that Brandon Miller is alleged to have brought the gun that was used in the crime to the scene. Again, we're going to figure out more details as time goes on. But as of right now, that's what we know. Beyond that, a few weeks later, remember, Tony Mitchell, freshman uh, defensive back at on Alabama football. What does he do? He gets caught speeding 141 miles an hour. They find excuse my language, but they find marijuana. I'm not going to say it, but they, they find marijuana and guns in the car. Now the marijuana was what the actual arrest was for, but obviously the guns were not a good look either. Nick Saban suspends them. And Nick Saban famously says, there's no such thing as wrong place, wrong time in my program felt like a shot at Nate Oates, but whatever. Then last week, we literally talked about Jaquan Wallen recruit uh, transfer was committed to Alabama basketball, arrested on campus, marijuana and guns in his car. The guns are by technicality legal. You are allowed to carry without a permit in the state of Alabama. The marijuana is not legal. And then also, again, just a bad look for a program. Now, I got to give credit where it's due. Nate Oates handled it right. He was removed from the team immediately. Um, Wasn't even removed because he wasn't part of the team. But Nate Oates said, we're not recruiting him. He will not be a student athlete here. Then, just in the last couple of days, 
Alabama's associate AD is arrested for and charged with alleged domestic violence. And now you have this incident involving the baseball program. And so I'm not blaming um, any individual baseball players. I'm not saying that every Alabama athlete is the worst person that's ever walked the earth. But I mean, this is what did I just list? Six, seven things that have happened that have been really, really, really bad. Some obviously worse than others. I'm not going to compare a, a, an alleged murder and alleged domestic violence to drive, you know, to whatever. But it's just been a really, really bad couple months for Alabama. Does it fall on the school president? Does it fall on the AD Greg Byrne? I don't know. But I do think at some point, somebody has to be held accountable. And I think we have to acknowledge that there is, I don't know if toxic is the right word, but there is a lot of negativity coming out of that program. I think what's especially frustrating, again, all the incidents are different, but you know the Brandon Miller situation never missed a game. Jermaine Burton, I was stunned when I turned on the game the next week they were playing, and he was playing. He was on the field. I think this guy just shoved a, a woman, you know, whatever. So I don't know what the answer is. I'm not calling for somebody's job, but it has been one negative headline after the other, after the other, after the other. We'll find out what happens with this Alabama baseball thing. But as I said, when Jaquan Walton got arrested, at some point, some of the adults in the room have to sit down and say, these are our standards. These are our protocols. This is what's acceptable. This is what's not. Because right now it is just a wild, wild time at Alabama. That was a serious story. But now let's wrap on a much lighter note, because as we do every week, it's time for America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now, you know the story. This segment, yes, I stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong every week. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Pod maybe a year, year and a half ago for one simple reason. It is because over the course of a week, month, and year, nobody loves giving out hot sports takes more than your guy Torres. Torres said this. Torres said that. What about that? Torres told you. Da-da-da-da-da. And I get a lot of stuff right. And I like to brag, but I get a lot of stuff wrong too. And so we wrap every Friday show with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. It's kind of just a fun way to sort of hold me accountable. As I always say, give myself a little slap on the wrist when I need it. So let's get to it. Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, the best and worst takes of the last few weeks. We did not do it last week coming off the NFL draft. So let's get into it now. Where Aaron was right. So listen, topic of the show, Hunter Dickinson. And and I'm not claiming that I knew all along and I told you and you should... I said from the beginning, I did say, like, I think Kansas makes the most sense. They check the most boxes. It's a veteran team, Hall of Fame coach, in position to win a national championship. And if you're Hunter Dickinson, I get the bells and whistles. I get the facilities, the resource, the exposure, the this, the that. But as Herm Edwards once said, you play to win the game. And if you're Hunter Dickinson and you only have one more shot to win a title, Kansas felt like the best spot while also offering all of the other stuff. The great coach, the great teammates. Yes, NIL was a factor. We obviously talked about it early in the show. But this was always the one that made the most sense. It was always the one that I felt like was going to be where Hunter Dickinson ended up. Where Aaron was wrong. So last week we talked a lot about Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Colorado, and everything that he's doing at Colorado. And if you listen to this show, you know I've been a huge Deion supporter. Every time he does something, every time he sneezes, oh my God. Did you see Dion sneeze? That was the best sneeze I've ever seen. Yes, I know I go a little bit overboard sometimes, but that's just who I am. It's what I do. I bring it all up to say, talk about going overboard. I'm starting to worry a little bit about if Colorado is going to be able to field the football team next year. Now, listen, I trust Coach Prime, and to his credit, he is starting to restock that roster with a lot of guys from high major programs, four or five-star guys that didn't work out at the Florida States, the Alabamas, the Tennessees of the world. But at the same time, we're talking about now 60-plus players who have left the program since the end of last season, whether it's through graduation, through transfer, through whatever. I believe the last count is 12 total players right now are currently in the program that started the 2022 season with Colorado football. And so I can love Dion. I can love what he's about, the excitement, the this, the that. But you still do have to field the football team, and I don't know that it's realistic to get 70 quality players out of the portal uh, over the course of an offseason. Now, they did a good job in the winter. They got some difference makers, to Shakur, uh, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, some other guys. 
They're doing good so far in the portal this spring. I just don't know if there's enough guys. So it'll be fascinating to watch unfold. I'll be curious to see what happens, but I'll admit I'm starting to get worried. I think he's biting off more than he can chew. I would have liked to see him keep a couple more guys in the program before going full, uh, you know, full hard knocks. Bring your, uh, bring your, bring your, uh, bring your playbook to the to the facility because because you're out of here. Where Aaron was right. Remember about two weeks ago we talked spring football, and what was one thing that I said? I said Nick Saban made some very interesting comments about his quarterback situation. And Nick Saban was kind of asked a general question about bringing in transfer quarterbacks. And he basically gave a very vague, listen, we want the guys in our program to have success, but if we feel like we can upgrade any position, we're going to go out and do it. And so I said at the time, maybe it means nothing, but if he felt great about his quarterbacks, who neither of which played well in the spring game, it was really four quarterbacks, none of them played well in the spring game, two true freshmen. If he felt great about those guys, then guess what? He doesn't need to go. He, he would he would have said it at the podium. He would have said, I, they weren't great today, but I love these guys. I got faith that if we play tomorrow, these guys would be ready to go. He didn't do that. What ended up happening? About three, four days later, they go out and get Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, the transfer who played for the new offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, a year ago in South Bend. We didn't talk about this last week because of the NFL draft, but at the end of the day, I'm not as negative about this as others. I don't think it's a great sign for Alabama, but it doesn't mean that he's going to win the job. And even if he does, he's going to have more talent around him than he's ever had at any point. If he can be functional, if he doesn't turn the ball over, if he's just a little bit better than those guys, Alabama can still win a lot of football games. So I told you Nick Saban was in the in the market for a new quarterback. He gets it in Tyler Buckner. We discussed it, and I was dead. Right. Where Aaron was wrong. So let's talk about a quarterback that beat Nick Saban last year, Hendon Hooker. I said in the lead up to the draft, I said, I actually have Hendon Hooker on my big board as the number three quarterback. I take Bryce Young first, CJ Stroud second, Hendon Hooker third. Well, fast forward, Hendon Hooker did not go above Anthony Richardson. He did not go above Will Levis. He did not go in the first round. He did not go in the second round. He went in the third round to the Detroit Lions. Now, I like the move, and we talked about it on Monday. I like this decision and how it went down, but I am surprised he fell a little bit so far. Now, maybe I shouldn't be. He's 25 years old. He's coming off injury. And people say the Tennessee offense is so simple. I don't buy that. I do buy the injury was an issue, and I certainly buy the age was an issue. I don't really care, though. I think it was a smart move by Detroit. I think it was the right move, and I am curious to see how Hendon Hooker does as an NFL quarterback. Obviously, won't be this year, but going forward. Where Aaron was right. So, look. This isn't bash on a 21-year-old kid day. Will Levis, I mean, I was right on him. I don't know what else to say. Um, Listen, maybe it was the injury. Maybe it was the offensive coordinator. I don't know. But I never believed he was a top five pick. When there were rumors he was going to go one, I said, Bryce Young is going one. Let's stop. I'm not going to pile on. I'm not going to tell you how right I was, and I'm so incredible. I hope I'm wrong on why he fell and if he should have fallen, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope in a year when Ryan Tannehill's gone, he's the starter of the Tennessee Titans. And I hope a year from now, he is a star for those Tennessee Titans. He's a Connecticut kid. As I said, somebody told me he listens to this podcast whenever I talk UConn basketball. So, Will, if you're listening, I'm rooting for you. But I just never believe the hype. And I think it's an important lesson for everybody in the lead up to the draft. Don't buy the hype. Stick to facts. Stick to what we know. We always thought Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud were the two best quarterbacks in this draft, and it ended up being that case. Where Aaron was wrong. I have my hesitations on Anthony Richardson, and I still do, but he goes number four to Indianapolis, and we'll see if it works, but I just didn't think he was going to go that high. This is a guy, I get the physical tools, I get that he uh, interviewed really well, people liked him. He is still a guy that completed 53% of his passes, though. So look. Remains to be seen. We'll see if it works. It wouldn't have been the pick that I made, but I did say from the beginning, Indianapolis was going to have to take a quarterback, and it was probably either going to be Levis or Anthony Richardson. It's Richardson. We'll see if he develops. We'll see if he evolves. We'll see if he gets better. But I was surprised to see him go off the board at number four. Finally, let's get to the last two, Aaron Wright, Aaron Rom. Where Aaron was right. So you got to be an OG listener to know about this one. But I had an LSU fan reach out to me about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And they said, Torres, do you remember what you said about Kim Mulkey when Kim Mulkey was hired at LSU? And I went back 
And you're darn right. I did a segment in April of 2021 when Kim Mulkey was hired as the LSU women's basketball coach. And I said, this is literally one of the greatest hires in the history of college sports to get a head coach to leave a job where he or she has won multiple national championships. This isn't Urban Meyer coming out of retirement. This isn't Nick Saban coming back from the NFL. This isn't um, whoever, Rick Pitino on his way back up. This is a woman who was winning at Baylor and had one of the two or three best programs in the country leaving for another job. She goes to LSU, and guess what? I ended up being dead right. Kim Mulkey won a national championship in her second year. And so you look at the all-time great hires in the history of college sports. This one is probably going to end up being in the short conversation. Year two, she wins a national championship. Now we'll see, can she maintain it? UConn is going to be healthy next year. Their two best players were out for most of the season with injury. But Kim Mulkey's a star, and I don't think she's going anywhere because Angel Reese is coming back. They just added the transfer from Louisville. LSU, Kim Mulkey. That's right. I did a Kim Mulkey segment back in 2021. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. Let's talk a little NBA playoffs. Um, I was wrong on a few things. I had the Bucks winning the, the championship. That's not looking too good. And I said, I don't really buy the Lakers. I said, after that play-in game where they barely beat Minnesota, I said, this team's not even making another first round. Uh, yeah, that was not correct. Now, I'm recording here right before game two against Golden State, but I believe this Lakers team is built for a run here because I believe that their size and physicality is going to eventually wear down Golden State. You look at the Lakers roster, they're just big and long and physical. I mean, even their backups, Rui Hachimura, 6'8", 6'9", Jared Vanderbilt, 6'8", 6'9". That's on top of LeBron, on top of AD. And then you look at the Warriors, 6'3", Steph, 6'6", Klay Thompson, 6'4", Jordan Poole, 6'7", Draymond Green. They're just not as big, they're just not as physical. And then if the Lakers get through this, it's either Denver or Phoenix. I would like my chances against Phoenix. I think Denver raises more of a challenge. But said I didn't like the Lakers after the play-in, and I was dead wrong. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I do think it is time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Hope everybody had a great Cinco de Mayo and I'm out. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F head unblock me, bro. Off next week, back the following Monday, which would be what the... 15th? The 15th of May? That's when I'm back. Back to 15th of May. Next episode, Aaron Torres Pod. Hope nothing too crazy happens, but we'll be back to react to it all. Thank you all for your support.